0: Welcome to the Daily Office Lectionary, I'm Father Reed. This week we're going to look at scriptures from proper 16. Now those of you that joined me for proper 15, which was last week, you'll note that we were following our threesome of Jesus, Paul, and David. And those scriptures were from 2 Samuel, David, the exploits of David. Acts, the end of Acts, the exploits of Paul. And Mark, the end of Mark, close to the end of Mark, the exploits of Jesus. Now as we look at proper 16, look at your post, you'll see the scriptures listed. We have 2 Samuel 24, the closeout of 2 Samuel, and we go to 1 Kings, and we're going to see the end of David's reign and the end of David's life, and then the transfer of power to Solomon, his son Solomon. Chapter 1, chapter 3, chapter 5, chapter 7 and 8. Then we are in Acts 26 to Acts 28, which will take us to the end of Acts. And Paul makes it all the way to the end as God had promised him. And then in Mark 13 and 14, the resurrection of Christ is in 16. The death of Christ is in Mark 15. And so we begin the famous uh, march toward Jesus' death in beginning in chapter 14 of Mark. All right, so we have the end of Paul's exploits in Acts. We had the end of the coming of the end of, uh, of Jesus' life in Mark co- coming close. And then, of course, we have the transfer of power in Samuel from, and Kings from David to his son Solomon. So, remember, our first king, looking at 2 Samuel 24, our first king was Saul. That did not work out well. So, in 1 Samuel chapter 16, God tells Samuel to go to the house of Jesse in Bethlehem, and the king is there. And of course, the king was the eighth son of Jesse, and his name was, of course, David. David gets himself into big, big trouble, as I said last week, with Bathsheba and the death of Uriah, which he caused to happen. And um, the consequences were very catastrophic for David and the people of Israel. Sin is a very serious thing. In in 24, the key to 24 as you read chapter 24, 1 and 2, and then 10 to 25, has to deal with the counting of men and not doing exactly what God said. And so God gives him three options. All three of them were not very good. And at the end of that time, which was tragic, God calls David to buy a threshing floor, a ranah. Why has, this is verse 21 of chapter 24. Why has my Lord the king come to his servant to buy your threshing floor? So I can build an altar to the Lord that the plague of the people may be stopped. This is how the plague, Remember that he had one of three choices, and one of them was a plague. Now we had to stop the plague. So Arana said to David, let my lord the king take whatever pleases him and offer it up, verse 22. Here are oxen for the burnt offering, and here are threshing th- sledges, and ox yokes for the wood. O king Arana gives all this to the king. May the Lord accept you. But the king replied to Arana, No, I insist on paying for it. This is verse 24. I will not sacrifice to the Lord my God burnt offerings that cost me nothing. So David bought the threshing floor and the oxen, paid 50 shekels of silver. He built an altar to the Lord there and sacrificed burnt offerings and fellowship offerings. Then the Lord answered prayer on behalf of the land and the plague on Israel was stopped. Now, why is this so important? Because the threshing floor that he built, that he bought, was where the temple of God was going to be, where the most holy of holies was. So this became the place of the holy of holies, where the Ark of the Covenant was going to be placed, an extraordinary occurrence. Now, when we go to 1 Kings, turn your page and go to 1 Kings, And you're going to see in 1 Kings how Adonijah was trying to set himself up as king over David. Because it says in verse 1, when King David was old and well advanced in his years, he could not keep warm. Even when when they put covers over him, Adonijah, verse 5, put himself forward and said, I'm going to be king. So he got horses and uh, chariots ready. This is verse 5. So... David is declining. Adonijah is going to try to take advantage of this by declaring himself king. This did not go well. David makes Solomon king in the second half of chapter 1. See the scriptures on your post. I will surely get carry out today what I swore to you by the Lord the God of Israel verse 30 of chapter 1 Solomon your king shall be king after me your son shall be king after me and he will sit on my throne in my place So the king takes an oath in verse 29 and carries out today what I swore to you by the Lord the God of Israel Solomon your son shall be king after me okay This is a getting together of Bathsheba remember her and David, and Solomon is going to be the king, all right? So King David, in verse 32, calls in Zadok the priest, Nathan the prophet, and Benaniah, son of Jodiah, and they come in before the king, and here we go. Zadok, verse 19, the priest takes the horn of oil from the sacred tent, and he anoints Solomon. Remember when Samuel anointed David uh, in First uh, Samuel it's chapter 16. They sounded the trumpet. Long live Solomon. David's charge to Solomon in chapter 2. I'm about to go the way of the earth. He's going to die. Verse 2 of chapter 2. So be strong, show yourself a man, and observe what the Lord of God requires. So the following is the charge that David gives Solomon. And if he'd have done this, he wouldn't have perished like he did. Walk in his ways, keep his decrees and commands, his laws and requirements as written in the law of Moses, so that you will prosper in all you do and whatever you go, wherever you go, and that the Lord may keep his promise to me. If your descendants, watch how they live, and if they walk faithfully before me with all their heart and soul, you will never fail to have a man on the throne of Israel. That's verse 4 of chapter 2. Chapter 3, chapter 3. We skip to chapter 3. Solomon asks for wisdom, and he receives wisdom, quite famously. He's able to discern and to govern well and to make good decisions. And the Lord is very blessed by that decision-making process. We have in the second half of chapter 3 the very famous ruling that he has about whose baby this is. And everybody is just very impressed with him. So enjoy reading chapter one, first part of chapter 2, and chapter 3 of 1 Kings, 1 Kings 5, 1, the preparation for the building of the temple. Now remember, God was not going to use David to build the temple. He was going to use his son, Solomon. Remember, we said earlier today, that in 2 Samuel chapter 24, we have the threshing floor, which David got for his son Solomon, who became king, and now he's going to build a temple. So chapter 5 is the beginning of that idea, or that truth, I should say. And then we see in chapter 6, he is going to build the temple, and you'll see in your post, chapter 7, 51, and we have the furnishings. Of the temple. Now, this becomes an extraordinarily important piece in the life of Israel and in their relationship with God, in the midst of the covenant relationship they have, in the midst of the covenant relationship that David has with uh, the people of Israel, and so the temple is finally built, and they are going to worship the Lord, so there is much here to be uh, read and thought about and prayed about uh, as you work through these scriptures this coming week. Remember when we were visiting with uh, Paul in Acts, we are now in the 26th chapter. Remember, we have Agrippa that wanted to hear Paul. So, enjoy that reading from verse 1 to 23. Let me read a couple of verses to you. This is what he told he, Jesus, told Paul on the road to Damascus, I will rescue you, verse 17 of chapter 26, from your own people. I will rescue you from your own people and from the Gentiles. I am sending you to open their eyes, to turn them from darkness to light, and from the power of Satan to God, so that they may receive forgiveness of sins in a place among those who sanctified by faith in me. So then, King Agrippa, was not disobedient to the vision from heaven, First to those in Damascus, then to those in Jerusalem and all Judea and to the Gentiles. I preach that they should repent. They should turn to God and prove their repentance by their deeds. This is why the Jews seized me in the temple courts and tried to kill me. But I've had God's help to this very day, so I stand here and testify. I'm saying nothing beyond what the prophets and Moses said should happen, that Christ would suffer. I'm just doing what he told me to do. I'm just stating the facts as they are. And as the first to rise from the dead, this is Jesus, would proclaim light to his own people and to the Gentiles. So he spoke to the people of Israel. They did not accept his word. So he turned to the Gentiles. Festus interrupted Paul's defense. You're out of your mind, Paul. You're great learning is driving you insane i am not insane most excellent festus paul replied what i'm saying is true and reasonable king agrippa do you believe the prophets verse 27 agrippa said to paul do you think that in such a short time you can persuade me to be a christian short or long paul said i pray that god not only you but all who are listening to me today and today may become what I am except for these chains. Agrippa said to Festus, this man should have been set free if he had not appealed to Caesar. He was innocent. Of course, he knew he was innocent. But he needed the protection of the Romans to keep the Jews from killing him. So God, in his genius, in his sovereign will, used the Romans' leadership to protect Paul from being destroyed. Remember, those guys said that they would not eat or drink until Paul had died? And so God raised up the Romans and used them as an instrument to protect Paul. And then Paul, as we're going to see now in 27 and 28, is now going to make his way to Rome. So he sails for Rome in 27 it was very very dangerous very dangerous if you look at one of your maps in the end of your uh, in the back of your bible you will see that that is a very hard journey in that open water to get to rome and so luke records for us and of course there's too much detail here luke records for us what happened on the ship where they were traveling And the shipwreck at the end of uh, the second half, I should say, of chapter 27. Wonderful reading. Enjoy it. Enjoy the reading. They go to Malta in the first half of 28. Paul is healing people, amazingly, 28-8. When this had happened, the rest of the sick on the island came and were cured. They honored us in many ways, and when we were ready to sail, they furnished us with a Supplies we needed. They would not gotten to Rome yet. They finally got to Rome. Three months we put out to sea in a ship that had wintered in the island. So, 27 and 28 are how Paul got to Rome. And 26 preceding is how he was saved by the Romans. Saved from the Jews who wanted to kill him because he had supported Christ. Three days later, he called the Jews again together on verse, in verse 17 of chapter 28. When they had assembled, Paul said, My brothers, oh, I have done nothing against our people or against the customs of our ancestors. I was arrested in Jerusalem and handed over to the Romans. They examined me and wanted to release me because I am, was not guilty of any crime deserving death. But when the Jews objected, I was compelled to appeal to Caesar. Not that I had any charge to bring against my own people. For this reason, I've asked to see you and talk with you. It's because of the hope of Israel that I'm bound with this chain. So he's explained to them once he got to Rome what was going on. They replied, we have not received any letters from Judea concerning you. And none of the brothers who have come from there have reported or said anything bad about you. Verse 21. But we want to hear what your views are. For we know that people everywhere are talking against this set. So they met, met with Paul, and he spoke to them. The Holy Spirit spoke the truth to your forefathers when he said through Isaiah the prophet, and he tells them in verse 26. Therefore, verse 28, I want you to know that God's salvation has been sent to the Gentiles, and they will listen. Now, remember, Jesus' ministry was to the lost sheep of Israel. They did not receive his message very well. So he used, God did, people like Paul and Peter and others to share the ministry with the Gentiles. Chapter 28, verse 30, the end. For two whole years, Paul stayed there in his own rented house and welcomed all who came to see him. Boldly and without hindrance, he preached the kingdom of God and taught about the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what he does. He preached the kingdom. He talked about Jesus. He persuaded people to... Listened to what he had to say regarding the gospel. Listened to what he had to say regarding Christ. And prayed for the salvation of people's souls. There ends the great book of Acts. Chapter 13 of Mark. Chapter 13 of Mark. We are in the second half of the signs at the end of the age. Remember I spoke about that last time. Where we were looking at Jesus looking into the future. And so... As you look at this scripture from 14 to 27, you'll see what Jesus is going to do. Now, people over the years, over the millennia, have tried to figure out what this means. I don't know what it means. I don't think anybody knows absolutely what it means. But here's what's important for sure. Look at 28 following. Learn this lesson from the fig tree. As soon as his twigs get tender and his leaves come out, they know that summer is near. Even so, when you see these things happening, you know that it's near right at the door. I tell you the truth, this generation will not pass away until all these things have happened. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. No one knows about the day or hour, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. Verse 32, be on your guard, be alert. This is what's important. Be ready. You do not know when that time will come. You want to be ready when he comes. So he says in verse 35, keep watch. Because you do not know when the owner of the house will come back, whether in the evening or at midnight or when the rooster crows or at dawn. If he comes suddenly, do not let him find you sleeping. You want to be awake. The metaphor for readiness. What I say to you, I say to everyone, watch. Now, that's why I said not everybody knows when Jesus is going to come back. It's futile to guess. We can look at these scriptures in Matthew, Mark, and Luke that talk about the end time, but they're very hard to figure out, to be honest. But what he says afterwards in terms of how we should regard them is crucial, and it is easy to follow. Certainly, it's easy to understand. Be ready. Be watchful. Be alert. Do not sleep on the job. He's not talking about physical sleep. He's talking about an attitude of sleeping and not being prepared. Be vigilant. Persevere. Now, as we begin chapter 14 in proper 16, we are now getting ready for the death of Christ, which we will see uh, in uh, Mark 15. So, we have his anointing at Bethany in chapter 14, 1 through 11. We have the famous Lord's Supper from 12 to 26. Very important. Then Jesus is going to predict the denial of Peter, you will all fall away. Now, remember, they had been with him for three years. He had told them three times that he was going to die and on the third day be raised again. They didn't understand what that meant. Now, he's getting ready. He's going to be turned in by Judas very soon. He tells him that you're going to deny him. But, of course, Peter says, even if they all fall away, I will not. Jesus said, says, I tell you the truth, verse 30 of chapter 14, today, yes, tonight, before the rooster crows twice, you yourself will disown me three times. The rooster's going to crow twice, you're going to say three times, you do not know me. Peter insisted emphatically, even if I have to die with you, I will even die, but I will never disown you. And all the others said the same. Isn't that a great verse? Look at that, verse 31. They all said the same thing. Um, This is not going to happen. Jesus said, it's going to happen. No. You're going to believe Peter and the apostles, or you're going to believe Jesus. Well, Jesus was right. Gethsemane. Very famously, he goes and prays. Peter, James, and John are with him. My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow. Stay here and watch. And, of course, they could not do so. Abba, Father, Take this cup from me, yet not what I will, but you what you will. And, of course, God did not take the cup. He called on his son to die. Simon, are you asleep? Could you not keep watch for one hour? Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the body is weak. Okay. Look, the Son of Man is betrayed in the hands of sinners. Rise, let us go. Here comes my betrayer, verse 42. And then finally, from 43, 43 to 52, he is going to be arrested. The betrayer comes. Judas kisses him. Jesus is arrested. They drew their swords. A uh, servant of the high priest's ear was cut off. Jesus heals the person. They Everyone deserted him and fled. Verse 50. Everyone deserted him and fled. And so, Jesus is alone, and he is uh, not able to have any kind of support or help. And so, next week in proper 17, we will pick up with the death of Jesus. We will start a new book of the New Testament, James, and we'll continue on with the tragic unfolding of what happens to Solomon and then to his kingdom. I hope you enjoy the ending of Acts, the transition from 2 Samuel to 1 Kings, the transition from David to Solomon. Read those scriptures carefully and slowly and prayerfully. And, of course, Jesus is toward the end of his life when he gives his life for us on the cross. God bless your reading and study and um, meditation of the scriptures. Have a beautiful week of doing so. Look forward to seeing you next week for the Daily Office Lectionary, Proper 17. God bless you.